Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. And before we get to the day's developments and our guest, you may remember that President Trump once asked that the Pulitzer Committee take back that Pulitzer they awarded the New York Times and the Washington Post for their reporting on Russiagate, or as President Trump styled it, the Russia hoax. He also called out the two left-wing newspapers for publishing what he called fake news. And indeed, it was just that, and has since been substantiated as such. And this week, in the midst of this widening Biden classified document scandal, the Columbia Journalism Review published a crushing 18-month-long investigative report and analysis of big media's politically biased reporting on the Russia collusion story and their violation of journalistic standards throughout. Legendary Washington Post journalist Bob Woodward declared the Steele dossier to be a, quote, garbage document way back in 2017. And Woodward warned Washington Post reporters working on the Russiagate stories, and they ignored him. Of course, as I said, the Post and New York Times went on to win that shared Pulitzer for what turned out to be simply carrying the Marxist Dems narrative throughout their reporting. And as I said, the Pulitzer Committee did not, has not, and likely will never request its return. That's a shame. Both newspapers have refused to return that Pulitzer. None of the reporters have offered to do so. And the lasting message for journalists stands. Fake news or not, you can win a Pulitzer for carrying the Marxist left's narrative, true or false. And that is also a shame. Turning now to the day's developments here on The Great America Show, I'm Lou Dobbs, and the Daily Mail is reporting a Chinese spy balloon has been floating over Montana for a few days now. President Biden apparently wanted to shoot it down. But all that toxic masculinity at the top of the Pentagon talked him out of it. The generals were worried about littering in the big sky state. So the Chinese commies are still surveilling us. Spy balloons. Who knew? We do know our FBI, though, don't we? The FBI now wants to raid former Vice President Mike Pence's residence after he voluntarily turned in his stray classified documents. And three years after Hunter Biden said adios to that laptop of his, the president's son from hell wants his daddy's Justice Department and all their friends in the FBI to go after Rudy Giuliani and Steve Bannon for talking about his long-lost laptop. It gets better and better, folks. And we'll have it for you here today on The Great America Show. You'll be pleased to know that AOC had a hissy fit after Republicans threw her Marxist dim pal Ilhan Omar off the Foreign Affairs Committee. AOC, of course, called the GOP decision to throw her off the committee for her anti-Semitic remarks a, quote, 
targeting of women of color, end quote. Omar is really just a woman of ignorance and a woman of hate. And I, for one, am thrilled the GOP refused to put up with her and her anti-Semitic, anti-American spewings. Congressman James Colmer and the Oversight Committee are targeting Marxist dim eco-elite and Biden climate czar John Kerry. They want to know more about what appear to be his secret high-level climate negotiations with the Chinese Communist Party. Chairman Comer declared in a letter to Kerry that he's concerned about what appears to be Kerry's indifference to American national security and economic interest. As we know, the FBI are charged up about the Biden classified document scandal. They let Biden's personal attorneys go through his documents at the Penn Biden Center think tank before they could. Same with the Biden residents in Wilmington. But it appears, only appears, that the FBI got to the Biden vacation house in Rehoboth, Delaware, to search for more documents. After all, it's been three months from the time the first Biden documents were found, allegedly, until the FBI could search the vacation home. A lot of evidence could have been misplaced or lost or even destroyed in that time, right? Well, our guest today is Mike Davis, and he was the first attorney to remind everyone that the President of the United States has absolute authority to declassify top-secret documents. That was way back in August, when on the 8th of August, the FBI tactical team swooped into the presidential residence in Mar-a-Lago to search and seize classified documents in the president's home. And with us now is Mike Davis, founder and director of the Article 3 Project and the Internet Accountability Project, fighting against the massive power of big tech. Mike, thanks for being with us here. Always great to have you with us. Uh, tell us what you think about this ever-expanding Biden scandal. Well, we've talked about this several times, Lou. Former presidents, when they leave the White House, have the absolute constitutional right as commander-in-chief to declassify anything they want for any reason they want. They don't have to get anyone's permission to do it. And they have the absolute right under the Presidential Records Act to take personal copies of their presidential records, classified or not. Presidential records are any records created or received uh, by the president or his White House staff. So when Trump took presidential records, classified presidential records to Mar-a-Lago, he was absolutely allowed to do that under the Constitution and under the Presidential Records Act. And Congress understood that former presidents would take classified records. That's why Congress gives former presidents the office of the former president with federally funded staff, federally funded staff with uh, uh, security clearances, secure office space or SCIFs, and uh, Secret Service Protection for Life. Contrast that with former vice presidents. They don't get any of that. They get Secret Service Protection for up to six months, and that's it. So when President Trump took his classified presidential records to Mar-a-Lago, that was permitted. They were heavily guarded. When Vice President, former Vice President Joe Biden stole Obama's classified presidential records and stole classified records when he, is, he was the Senate Foreign Relations Committee chairman, that was absolutely not permitted. He did not have secure office space. He did not have Secret Service protection. There was a two and a half year gap from when he left, the, when, when he lost his Secret Service protection after uh, six months after leaving office until he got Secret Service protection again as a major presidential candidate. So two and a half year gap. 
And this is not just some ticky tacky violation where it was like, Pat, it's no excuse for Pence, but Pence probably, he's such a Boy Scout, he probably uh, had his lawyers go search all of his boxes of, of vice presidential papers after this story broke, and they came across uh, these uh, you know classified documents mixed in with his vice presidential papers, and he probably had no idea he had them. Still a problem that he has to deal with, but you know it's not like the Bidens where there is clear evidence by Miranda Devine in Laptop from Hell, her book, that Hunter Biden clearly used stolen classified intel on Ukraine for the Burisma deal so the Bidens can make millions of dollars. And Hunter, go ahead. Hunter Biden right now seems to be the most inoculated uh, person in this uh, COVID era. Uh, he, I mean, he's been accused of everything. Everyone knows he's guilty of various things. And yet, it does not move law enforcement. It does not move the Justice Department or the FBI to in any way bring charges and bring him to justice, does it? I know it's a separate issue, but at the same time, it's intertwined so remarkably with the documents issue and the national left-wing media that continues to conflate the circumstances of a, of a former president with those of a former vice president. Uh, the powers, authorities that the former president has and which a former vice president does not possess. So it, it, as you've laid out, a vice president shouldn't have these documents at all. Uh, so he, as you said it, stole them from Obama. But how in the world are these documents floating out the door to former vice presidents? As of right now, we know of two. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's because they're, they, you know, you have to look at the circumstances where they had them and why they had them. Biden had at least five sets of stolen classified records in uh, at least three different personal locations. His Penn Biden Center, which is his Chinese funded uh, fake professorship with the uh, University of Pennsylvania, where the Chinese government paid tens of millions of dollars to fund this thing. He Some had, seventy million dollars. Yeah, he had he had uh, stolen classified records there in this abandoned office. Uh, he had stolen classified records in his garage in boxes next to his Corvette, and and Biden admitted to Peter Ducey from Fox News that he knew he had classified documents there. They were safe. They were in his garage next to his Corvette, and then he had stolen classified records in his personal study in his house and. And Wilmington, and again, these records were not guarded by the Secret Service. And you have to also look at, remember from Miranda Devine's book, Laptop from Hell, I should get royalties for as much as I'm plugging it. But they, I was going to ask you, I mean, are you doing a promotional tour here? I am. Uh, I mean, Miranda. you got Peter Ducey and Fox News. You got Miranda <laughs> Devine and, at the New York Post. All good people, but we appreciate it. I, I hear you. We're all a team here. We're all a team here, Lou. And so the, I mean, think about this. Hunter Biden had a key made for the Biden family's Chinese agent to access one of these offices. We have the email on that in that book, uh, the book Laptop from Hell. So we have stolen classified records uh, in many different unsecured locations. We have clear evidence in that 22-point email that Hunter Biden wrote before he was able to join the Burisma Ukraine Energy Board uh, about stolen classified records. I mean, 
Hunter Biden all of a sudden became an expert in the geopolitics of Ukraine overnight. You know, he he put away his crack pipe and threw out his prostitute and read up on Ukraine one day and became an expert overnight, miraculously. Or did he use stolen classified records that his dad stole from the from the Obama White House? And then, uh, you know, you have the then you have unguarded records, stolen classified records, and there's clear evidence that it's being used to enrich the Biden family with millions of dollars. And so in all in all fairness here, I just got to ask you, Mike, you, you keep saying he stole them, which obviously he did. Uh, if they took them intentionally, uh, I, I just really don't know how to, to deal with the issue that they got them out of uh, the skiff in which he was reading them uh, and for whatever reason. But the same applies to former Vice President Mike Pence. If if Biden stole him, so did so did Pence, right? Yeah, I mean that's just it. And look, if you have it, it is a very serious crime. It's, it violates the Espionage Act for people to have classified records outside of a an authorized location. The Biden Justice Department just prosecuted a woman. In Hawaii, she was this, uh, she worked for the Pentagon, and she transported classified documents from her uh, from her office in Hawaii to her temporary workspace uh, in Asia. And she didn't do it through a uh, through a classified pouch like she was supposed to. She just took it with her. There was no evidence of misuse, no evidence that she was making money off of it, no evidence that she was selling it to China or any any other country. She got the Biden Justice Department had her thrown in prison for this. And so it is very serious to have these classified records in an unsecured location. And the one that's the most troubling to me is, is, look, I get when you're the president or the vice president, you're going to have military aides bring you classified materials to your home when Trump is in Mar-a-Lago, when Pence is in his home in Indiana or wherever his home is. Uh, or Biden when he's the president, you could take, you have military aides take classified records, but they take back those classified records. They don't keep them. Well, I'm, and, I'm aware of that. And that's what I'm saying. This had to be a conscious, intentional act on the part of two vice presidents to take those documents. There is no other explanation that I can see as likely. Uh, can you? Well, well I, I guess we need to see. I, I would say there's. I'm well, not of course, making, we need to see. I would I'm make saying. no excuse for Pence because I, because I if he took classified records, remember how sanctimonious he was about Trump lawfully Trump, yeah. having his presidential records in, in the office of former President Mar-a-Lago. Pence came out and made that sanctimonious statement that he would never do such a thing. Well, he did. So, what are the circumstances? Were they? Was it his aides packing up his office when he was vice president, mixing in? His president, his vice presidential records with these classified records, putting in a box, shipping them into Indiana, and they were never seen, never used until now. That's what that's still espionage. That still violates the Espionage Act. You can still get into very serious trouble for that. But that is very different from having five sets of classified records in at least three different personal locations and evidence that you're illegally using this classified material to make millions of dollars from your family. So. Uh, there, there are different levels of crimes with the Espionage Act, but it's still a crime to to violate the Espionage Act. So, so there, here we are with two former vice presidents, yet it is a former president, Donald Trump, 
who the FBI assaulted uh, his home at Mar-a-Lago, uh, came in on a raid. Uh, I mean, SWAT teams couldn't have done better uh, and seized, uh, searched and seized uh, his premises where he had, uh, I don't know if he had a skiff at the time, but he did at one point. I've heard that he, they, someone took it away from him. I thought all presidents retained a skiff, but, uh, but apparently not. But he had constant Secret Service protection around him. So, and this was an ongoing dispute between the archives and President Trump. And the Justice Department decided, by God, we'll show him, we'll settle this matter. And they did. But they haven't searched the premises of Barack Obama. They haven't searched the premises of Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton. Uh, they, I, I, the Bushes? Are you kidding me? That ranch is probably, I mean, those things are probably blowing around with the tumbleweeds out there, those pages of classified documents. How do we know? Well, yeah, I mean, that's you're making a very good point, Lou. And let's just look at the current uh, the current Justice Department's investigation of Joe Biden with, like you said, with President Trump, they sent in this unnecessary, unprecedented, and unlawful home raid, high-profile home raid on Trump for presidential records uh, to which Trump was entitled to have, right? So he's allowed to have these records under the Presidential Records Act. With Biden, he clearly was not entitled to have these records as a former vice president and especially not a former senator. He had classified records. What did the Biden Justice Department do? What did Attorney General Merrick Garland do? So first of all, Biden says he immediately turned these over to the Justice Department. That's not true. Biden's team turned this over to their politically appointed head of the National Archives, and they were going to bury this. The only reason we learned about this is the Inspector General of the National Archives got wind of this and turned it over to the Biden Justice Department. That's Well, somebody, somebody, Mike, uh, called the uh, CBS News and leaked the story. Well, it, I think it leaked. They leaked it to CBS News to to get it to a favorable reporter because they knew the story was going to come out because the Inspector General at the National Archives got a hold of this. And so, if you look at the story, the story defends Biden almost the entire time. They broke the story, but defended Biden. They tried to, you know, talk about how this was no big deal and how Biden was, you know, trying trying to cooperate. That's not true. Biden kept this from the Justice Department. And then when the Justice Department found out because of the Inspector General at the National Archives, Garland had a secret deal with Biden to keep this quiet, to politically cover this up. And Garland worked with Biden, Biden's White House attorneys and Biden's personal attorneys. And they had this cozy deal where they're going to let Biden's personal attorneys and, and Biden's White House attorneys go do these searches, go taint these crime scenes, let Biden, that Joe and Jill Biden, whoever else, Hunter, whoever else, Go to these crime scenes and taint them. They covered this up for two months. They let the Bidens do the first four searches of these documents, and of it course, until the fifth search that they, that the FBI went in, uh, went in with Biden's lawyers and went in with Biden's uh, personal lawyers and White House lawyers. Contrast that; they made Trump's lawyers stand out in ninety-five percent August humidity in Florida while they while they raided Mar-a-Lago. They, didn't they would it. not let them into the premises while they were there searching and seizing, right? Correct, correct. Completely different ballgame. The Biden 
the the attorney general Merrick Garland and the Biden Justice Department tried to cover this up, and they've had this cozy relationship for more than two months. With Trump, they sent in the cavalry. They sent in the FBI immediately. They made Trump's lawyers stand outside in 95 degree heat, a 95% humidity, and they raided Trump's uh, personal office, his home, Mar- uh, Melania's lingerie drawer, even teenage son Barron's room. Well, you know, to me, it's it's very simple. Why in the world would there not be standing orders to the Secret Service? Uh, protecting Mar-a-Lago, the premises uh, there, the home of the president, uh, and, and to be confronted by another agency who decided who had the greater uh, authority. Uh, and, and no one talks about this. The Secret Service is there to protect the president of the United States and his property. And the fact of the matter is, they rolled over like uh, cupcakes. And there was no clash whatsoever between the agencies and the president in point of fact is not guarded if that is the way in which uh, the secret service comports itself secondly the secret service is there acting as an adjunct uh, to 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 the fbi agents uh, and i'm sure doj lawyers accompanying them uh, to go through that property I, i mean this is an outrage on so many levels that it's uh, astonishing. And those Secret Service agents had to know that this was coming. Uh, I, I just found it uh, despicable, uh, frankly, uh, that we're in this kind of situation because this is nothing more than a thugocracy uh, posing as a presidential administration. Uh, this deep state and these Marxist stems have got to be brought to heel, and I'll be doggone if I know who's going to do it because I can't find a countervailing influence to the awesome power of the Biden regime, the Marxist Dems, Deep State, uh, and their cooperative uh, alliance. It's, it seems to me that it is absolutely all-powerful. Your thoughts? Well, yeah, Lou, and I would just say this. Uh, remember that Republicans won the House of Representatives on November 8th. And we had to hurry up and elect Speaker Kevin McCarthy as the speaker so we didn't slow down the oversight agenda. I, as you know, I was a, a vocal critic and opponent of McCarthy, but okay. So well, I, I opposed his uh, speakership as well. Yeah, and here we are two and a half months after the election. Where the hell's the oversight uh, operation from the House Republicans? Where is Jim Jordan and the House Judiciary Committee? The, the House Judiciary Committee has oversight over the the Justice Department. Why aren't they issuing subpoenas? Why don't they have Merrick Garland come in before the House Judiciary Committee, sit in that chair and ask Merrick Garland why he has uh, two different approaches here with with Biden and Trump on on classified documents? Why did Garland, look, Garland's gonna say that you can't interfere with our investigation. That's true, but guess what? Covering up for your boss is not a legitimate investigation. That is a cover-up, right? And so House Judiciary Republicans need to be grilling Attorney General Merrick Garland to ask him why he has been colluding with Biden and his White House lawyers and his uh, his personal lawyers to cover up these clear crimes, to allow the Bidens and his lawyers to taint these crime scenes. uh, Why? why, why Why they haven't raided the the uh, biden's beach home why they haven't raided his senate records why why are they covering up for biden i've got an answer for that 
you know, which one of the 25-year-old rosy-cheeked uh, kids do you want to have uh, suddenly put a 38 special in his uh, or her, uh, you know, uh, under their suit coat uh, and march out there and confront them and say, we're here from the Oversight Committee or the Judiciary Committee, and by God, you're under investigation. Uh, I mean, the reason is they don't have an enforcement authority. Yeah, I mean, they can issue. I mean, I hear what you're saying. They don't have an army. I got that. But they can issue a subpoena from the House Judiciary Committee and make Merrick Garland show up and answer the questions that they ask him. And if he doesn't, if, if he if they don't, if he refuses to show up, hold him in contempt. Well, you know, look, I, I've watched one cabinet officer happen to be another attorney general, a fellow by the name of Eric Holder in the Obama administration. They held him in contempt of Congress. And you know what? They might as well given him a, a father of the month award because there was no distinction. Nothing happened. Uh, there was no penalty. And we have to be realistic about this, Mike. This House committee, uh, whether it's oversight or judiciary, simply can't act unless it is in conjunction with an executive law enforcement agency to carry out and enforce those subpoenas and uh, the penalties for not uh, so doing. No, I understand what you're saying very much. So you can, I mean, they do have, you could, if a, the House Judiciary Committee can go to a court and enforce the subpoena, and you can have the House Sergeant at Arms go arrest people and bring them to the House of Representatives. So uh, there is an enforcement component, but I get your point. But there has to be oversight. There has to be oversight, and that oversight has to be more than tweeting from the House Judiciary Republican Twitter account. They have to do oversight. Well, they have to request documents, and they have to have oversight over the Attorney General. So, listen, I'm entirely sympathetic and uh, uh, absolutely shoulder to shoulder with you on the view they must do oversight. And by the way, shoulder to shoulder would also be James Comer and uh, Jim Jordan. They w they desperately want to do this, but there is a reality. And I have to say that I have to talk about a reservation here for a moment. The fact is, I've seen them on television a lot. Uh, but I also don't hear a, you know, I haven't even heard them talk about these whistleblowers. There's been no recognition that I'm aware of on the part of Jordan or his committee or Comer and his committee that FBI whistleblowers have no protection uh, under the Whistleblower Act. The intelligence agencies don't have that kind of uh, protection. Uh, and it's really critically important to understand what's going on here. Uh, and I'm sure they're quite aware of that, uh, but it also creates great complexities and uh, and great care, I would think, on their part uh, to preserve these uh, the well-being of these whistleblowers. They've been they've been retaliated against, fired. They're, I mean, the list goes on. They're being retaliated by the Merrick Garland Justice Department uh, and the Chris Ray FBI already. What can be done to protect them is the big issue here, because still it's a matter of law and what they can get through the Congress. We're at a point, and I think everybody has to really think about this. We're at a point where you can't bluster. You can't uh, say, um, by God, we're going to investigate every one of these SOBs. We're going to bring them to justice, and they're going to ride into town uh, you know, uh, with uh, their back to the, to the head of their horse.
it's just going to be there's just a difficult way to find a path to justice in this because we know they're crooks we know they're politically corrupt and i mean pervasively so uh but we don't have a countervailing influence in law or uh, in our government or the powers uh the separation of powers that permits it so where do we find the countervailing influence to the awesome power of an alignment among corporatist America, and they're actually corporatist globalists, uh, the, the corporate-owned media, uh, the Marxist dim political party, and the deep state working as one against the American people? Yeah, I mean, those that's those are very good questions. As to your first point about whistleblowers, I strongly encourage whistleblowers to go to Senator Chuck Grassley's office. He's my former boss. He has been a champion for whistleblowers for his entire career in, in the United States Congress. So he, he always protects whistleblowers. He has a whole oversight team that deals with whistleblowers. So they should contact Chuck, Chuck Grassley's office. He knows how to handle them. He knows how to protect them, and he knows how to get results with whistleblowers. Are you suggesting that that Jordan and Comer wouldn't have already talked with Johnson and with Grassley? I, my impression is there's been very close interaction and cooperation between the Senate uh, uh, and the House on those issues. Uh, I think that the uh, the Senate is uh, the Senator Grassley and Senator Johnson have been doing this for many, many, many years. Mm-hmm. And they know what they're doing. They're experienced. They're not. They don't have their training wheels on right now, and they know how to handle whistleblowers and they know how to protect whistleblowers. And they've done it for their entire careers in Congress. And so, uh, I, 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 if I were a whistleblower, if I had, if I were an, a whistleblower at the FBI, I would absolutely call Chuck Grassley's office and no one else. Um, and so that's that's my advice to whistleblowers. And so, uh, go ahead. So you're. Are you saying that uh, Comer and, and Jordan uh, and their staffs aren't prepared to handle the the enormity of the circumstances that uh, that we face here? I'm not seeing evidence that they're prepared for it. Uh, maybe they'll get up to speed. I mean, where the hell are their subpoenas? Where's where's their oversight? Comer's doing a much much better job than Jordan. I have not seen anything out of Jordan. Jordan's tweeting about uh, you know Pete Buttigieg at at the Department of Transportation instead of the Attorney General Merrick Garland in the weaponized and politicized Justice Department. So I I don't have confidence in House Judiciary Republicans right now. I hope that changes. I think Comer is doing a much better job on the Oversight Committee. But if I were a whistleblower at the FBI, my career's on the line, I would call Chuck Grassley's office and no one else. So right. that's the first point. Uh, the, the second point about how do you rein in this monster, it's going to be very hard. I, I do think in Trump's second term i think he got burned so many times by so many hoaxes he got burned so many times by the deep state i think if trump wins in 2024 he is really going to take a wrecking ball to the deep state because he learned his lesson from his first term and i think that's going to be important is republicans conservatives right thinking independents and even democrats come together we need to elect president trump in 2024 with a republican house Republican Senate, and we can finally dismantle the deep state. We can finally take a wrecking ball to it. And that has to happen. Our deep state, the FBI, the intel community is out of control. It's been weaponized. It's it's like 
like you said, Lou, it's Marxism. They these these deep state actors are Marxist and they are uh, they're anti-American and they're trying to destroy our country from within. They're subversive yeah. elements and they need to be rooted out. We're talking about an existential crisis. There's no difference in this moment and six months before we're going into the midterms when we are assured we're going to have a red tsunami. We didn't. The Republicans are so out of control with reality. Uh, whatever you can say about the Marxist stems, which is plenty, they are corrupt. Their values are perverse. Uh, they are a blight on the existence of this great republic. But one thing they are is they're realistic. They know what power they have. They know what they can do, and they know how to use it. Republicans right now are gasping like guppies heading for the surface of the of the of the little bowl. Uh, they want to be fed, and they want to then retreat to one corner of that uh, aquarium. Uh, this is no aquarium, and we shouldn't be acting like guppies. I, I mean, think about what we're doing here. We're going to say, by God, we'll just wait till November of 2024. There's no way in hell we make it, Mike. Well, I, no, I mean, I, I mean I, I've got, I've, I have to be honest with my audience. There's no way we make it. I'm with you, Lou. That's why it's so important to do aggressive oversight, make the political case, hold the FBI and the intel community accountable, beat the hell out of them politically with their oversight, and then you can use that to make the political case in 2024 to do fundamental change at the FBI and the intel community, right? We have a we need to have a church commission now to to point out to the American people what the problems are, why this is a serious threat to everyday Americans and why we need to change it and then run on that, right? Yeah. Because if we try to pass legislation now, it's not going to get through the Democrat-controlled House and it will get vetoed by the Democrat-controlled White House. We have to, in order to make change, we have to win elections. So there we are. Let me, uh, let me turn to this uh, as, we, as we wrap up here. Adam Schiff on the intelligence community, uh, vowing revenge uh, for because Kevin McCarthy had the courage to throw him the heck off of the intelligence committee. I want to give I want to give the speaker uh, credit, uh, and I want to get your reaction because I think he stood up, did exactly the right thing. Uh, you and I both opposed him, but I have to give the man credit for taking this step and doing exactly what he had said he would do. Your thoughts? I agree. I, I have been one of uh, Speaker Kevin McCarthy's loudest most obnoxious critics for the last couple months and i give him credit where credit is due i commend him for following through on his promise and throwing these democrat dirt balls off the intel committee they have no business being on there they're compromised they have shown uh that they are uh, with shift that they're willing to politicize and misuse intelligence to go after trump and their political enemies uh with swalwell they're he, he's proven that he's a complete moron who allowed himself to be honeypotted by a Chinese agent. And so I commend the speaker for for uh, throwing these people off the committee. I Look, I've said all along, I didn't want Kevin McCarthy as speaker, but now that he's speaker, he won the election. I want him to succeed. I want him to be a conservative speaker and deliver conservative results every day. And I will cheer him on every time he does this. My, my problem with... Kevin McCarthy and Jim Jordan, my biggest problem is, is they are big tech's biggest champions. But I'll tell you, as someone who, who was one of the low, uh, lonely founders of the conservative big tech fight, we gladly take converts. The second that they want to cut bait 
with Google, Amazon, Facebook, and Apple and join the conservative uh, big tech fight, I will be their, their loudest cheerleaders. And you're the founder of what organization? That is the Internet Accountability Project that, that does the big tech fight. See, you're not the only one who can promote. <laughs> That's right. Thank you. I appreciate the plug. <laughs> well, let, let's, talk, let's talk about the big tech. Uh, Google, uh, the feds, uh, and I'm talking about under the Biden regime, seem to be moving closer, I didn't say faster, but closer uh, to trying to break up Google. Your thoughts? I think it is fantastic. And I have said this, that Biden has done almost nothing right. He has screwed up everything because he's a complete moron uh, as president. But the two things he has done right as president are appointing Jonathan Cantor and appointing Lena Khan as his top two antitrust law enforcers. Jonathan Cantor is the assistant attorney general ahead of, uh, head of the antitrust division at the Justice Department. Lena Khan is the chair of the FTC. And these two are uh, uh, these two are using antitrust to break up corporate monopolies, particularly with big tech, and they deserve a lot of credit. Jonathan Cantor filed this lawsuit, this antitrust lawsuit against Google. It is a game changer. He worked with eight states, including one of my former colleagues, Andrew Ferguson, who's now the Solicitor General of the state of Virginia. Uh, between Cantor and Andrew Ferguson, they're the brains of this operation. They're going after Google's advertising monopoly, their online advertising monopoly. And that is the lifeblood that feeds Google hundreds of millions of dollars that, that, you know, that, makes, that makes their profits that allows them to do the bad things that Google does. So if you, if you drive a, a dagger through the heart of their online advertising monopoly, that's how you start to break up Google. And so they- uh, Well, if we break up Google- Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. If you break up Google, that's good. But while you're at it, do me a favor. Break up their ability to influence elections so powerfully as they have done uh, in the past. Uh, and not enough attention is given uh, to that reality as well. I, I, what I, I want to say again, I, I guess if I had to label myself, I would be a, a Theodore Roosevelt Republican, uh, even a Teddy Roosevelt uh, Republican. Uh I don't think that the, the, the Democrats are the problem here. I think every time in the terms of economic concentration uh, and in terms of political, awesome political power that they seek and possess now, uh, the Republicans have made it all possible, not the Democrats. So I think we have a better chance uh, of this happening uh, under, frankly, a, a, these, uh, this, these Democrats uh, who are leading uh, that fight uh, against big tech. Your thoughts about whether the Republican Party is a bigger problem in succeeding in that effort? I 100% agree with you that there is, look, Trump changed this in the Republican Party. He brought economic populism to the Republican Party, which I think is so important. When I started the Internet Accountability Project three years ago, I was the about the only person out there, like a homeless man screaming on the street corner, calling for big tech's breakup. And here we are three years later, and it's about to happen. And we have seen a political shift, a great political shift over the last three years where Antitrust skeptics like Senator Mike Lee are now commending the Biden Justice Department for bringing this antitrust lawsuit against uh, against Google. The biggest champions, my again, my biggest problem with Kevin McCarthy and Jim Jordan is, is they are cheerleaders 
for big tech. They carry big tech's water, and it is a problem. Republicans need to understand that these big corporations are no longer our ally, allies. They are our enemies. They're becoming, they're big, powerful, woke, and they're easy. It's very easy for, for big government forces to collude with these big corporations to to go after everyday Americans. And we've seen that with the big tech where they were, you know, Tony Fauci and the, the COVIDians within the Biden, uh, uh, the, 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 the COVID regime use big tech to censor, silence, deplatform and cancel medical doctors, scientists, even Senator Rand Paul, who's a, a medical doctor and a U.S. Senator over our uh, overall opposition to these COVID measures. These big corporations, particularly big tech, have too much power. They have gatekeeping power over information and commerce, and we need to break them up. Well, we are at that point of the of the show where I get to say to all our guests, uh, you, everybody gets the last word on this show, uh, our guests. And if you will, Mike, it's been great talking with you. I think we covered a lot of important ground. Uh, your, your concluding thoughts today. I appreciate uh, your having me on. I think the key here is with this antitrust fight, it is really important for populist conservatives to work with uh, these populist liberals. We we need to work together. Our, our bigger enemy is Google, Amazon, Facebook. And Apple. So the enemy of our enemy is our friends as it relates to antitrust. We need to support the Biden Justice Department's antitrust efforts, Lena Khan's antitrust efforts at the FTC, and break up big tech. Mike, thanks so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Mike Davis, great American. With us next week will be Cash Patel, Dr. Robert Malone, Congressman Austin Scott, and Matt Palumbo author of The Man Behind the Curtain, inside the secret network of George Soros. That's Monday. Please join us. Till then, have a great weekend. God bless you, and God bless America. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.